to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day Pod. Pain without love, pain. I can't get enough pain. I like it rough, cause I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all. Hello and welcome to the Losers All Day Post Game Reaction Podcast. We are here to talk about the pathetic effort put on by the Toronto Maple Leafs for the third consecutive night. Uh, Levda, what did you think of this shit show? Uh, yeah, this is probably the biggest sporting failure in the history of sports, if we're being honest. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens are legitimately one of the worst playoff teams in, honestly, the last decade that I can remember. And uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs to blow a 3-1 lead to, to this team... There's really, um, there's really no words that can be said. There's no words that can be said, but Lebda, you and I, I think we're going to have quite a few words, uh, a lot of words of criticism for, for three people in particular. Uh, Austin Invisibility Cloak Matthews. You suck. Mitch Do Nothing Marner. And Sheldon, I don't know how to run a power play for the life of me, Keith. Uh, who do you want to start with, Lebda? Yeah, I guess we can start at the top. I have never seen an athlete with less emotion, less, you know, give a shit than Austin Matthews had this series. This series is squarely on his forehead. I don't care what anyone else did in any of the games, whether it was that one Rasmus Sandin game, whether it was that Travis Dermott giveaway in overtime. The only reason this series was lost is because of Austin Matthews. And... I got to be careful how I word this because it, it it can go sour. But I hope that Austin Matthews knows how big of a failure he is to the city of Toronto. No one should abuse him. No one. He doesn't deserve to be added on Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. But I hope there's a little demon in me right now. And I hope that he just gets shit on for years to come for this. Because this was truly the most pathetic display any athlete could ever imagine to come up with. Not in my worst nightmares did I think he was going to be this disgustingly bad. And he just proved to me that he's not even in the consideration for top player in the league. He's not even, I don't even know if he's top 10 at this point. Like that was such a despicable playoffs that countless players have gone past him now. Yeah, he showed, he showed absolutely nothing to me. Um, again, great expected goals numbers tonight, 68%. What did that get us? Absolutely nothing. Did he look dangerous? I guess he did look dangerous at times. He had a couple of chances. I don't care. You're the, no. you're the Rocket Richard winner. Put the puck in the net more than once in seventh games against a piss poor, pathetic team like the Habs. Good for the Habs. They won, but let, you said it. Let's not, let's not fuss around. They suck. The only problem is that the Leafs suck even more. And yeah, man, Austin Matthews, if, I, I truly hope, I hope that we hear tomorrow, and this isn't a full excuse, but I hope that we hear that his wrist is hanging on by a thread right now. Because if if Austin Matthews is at even 50% health right now, the effort that he put forth in this series is an absolute abomination and a disgrace to the crest of the Maple Leafs. And he and Mitch Marner both like can both wear the crown because Marner 
same thing. Like, like do something, Mitch. I don't even like. I'm not even that mad at Mitch Marner. Like, what else could we have expected? The guy, we we knew this. We we knew this was Mitch Marner. I I I understand he had a good regular season. I don't know why we all got our hopes up in our minds in that you know Mitch Marner was going to do anything different. This is Mitch Mitch Marner. He's a big spoiled brat kid who demanded to be paid like the best winger in the league, and clearly he's not even close to that. Now, there is one saving grace for Toronto that I'm pretty sure almost half his contract has been paid out to this point once he gets that bonus this summer. So there should be teams that are close to the bottom of the floor that are probably interested in Mitch Marner because he's not costing them too much real money. But I, I'm sorry. I've never I, I've never experienced this in all sports. and I've been watching sports since I could barely walk. Like, I have never seen star players like this collapse. Like, even... In my worst nightmares, I'd expect Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner to be, like, at least, like, 10 points combined in this series. Like, for them to do absolutely nothing, it's just – they might as well just spit on every Leaf fan's face. They might as well spit on everyone in that Leafs organization for how embarrassing their effort was tonight. I, I never want to see either of them in a Maple Leafs jersey again. I don't care that Austin Matthews just won the Richard. You're, if you trade them, you're never going to win that trade. I understand that. The absolute pathetic nature that they put forth for this uh, this series, I, I can't even look at the guy. I don't want to see him ever again in the Leafs jersey. Yeah, we are – obviously, we are entitled to be totally irrational right now, and that's what I'm, I plan on being for the rest of this podcast. Just just a heads up. I will, I will take a slight tone of rationality in that, no, I would not trade Austin Matthews. He – I think a big part of what, what went wrong for him was that he was saddled to Mitch Marner, who is obviously Casper the Ghost in the playoffs. Mitch Marner was the better player, dude. Mm. Like, straight I, up, Mitch Marner was better in the series than Austin Matthews. I don't I don't think okay, you can deny okay. that fact. They were both give pathetic, me that. Get, but I don't know if you can deny that fact. Okay, I'll give you that. Even if he was, you said it, you're not going to win that trade. That's a trade I'm never making. If you look at the, I forget when it was, but the early 2000, like the early 2010s Capitals, they had those disappointing playoff run after disappointing playoff run. They made some stupid trades to get themselves some grit, whatever, and, and they got rid of some some star quality talent, and it did not. It set them back years. So I don't think the Leafs should. Obviously, I I would never trade Austin Matthews. I think he is an unbelievable player who had a piss poor. Se- this was the first time Austin Matthews didn't show up to the playoffs. This, he's been good in the past. Mitch Marner, this is a trend. I think what you have to do, if you're Kyle Dubas, is you exhaust every option to trade Mitch Marner right now because you've seen what he can do. Whether whether it's the playoffs that he can't do or whether it's the spotlight of Toronto considering his contract, I don't know what it is. But if there's a GM that's willing to give you 80 cents on the dollar for this loser, go for it. I I would trade him. Like I'm not I'm not going to just trade Mitch Marner for two for two plugs and do like a Joe Thornton trade from 2006 where you just get nothing in return. But if you can get something of real value for Mitch Marner, that is the piece that the Toronto Maple Leafs need to move because you saw William Nylander scored again tonight. You're, you're not trading that guy. He's a great value contract at seven million. Austin Matthews. I went into why I wouldn't trade him. John Tavares. He had no part in this as well. He, he would be very difficult to trade anyways. He's got a no movement. Plus at least the guy has a bit of heart, you know, Mitch, Mitch Marner, the, what he showed me, he, he's got to be the odd man. Now I truly, truly hope this was the last game he played in a Maple Leafs uniform because of the fact that I know Kyle Dubas won't trade him just for the sake of it. 
I yeah, I already made it clear. I I can't even think about either of those two right now. I can't look at either of those two without just completely seeing red. Um, tra- trading Austin Matthews would be dumb. Uh, I think we can straight up put that right now. I don't want to even think about him playing another game for the Leafs. But you're you will never ever ever win an Austin Matthews trade unless it's one v one for Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon, and neither of those things are happening. Mitch Marner is the only only player on the Leafs who probably is not worth his contract, and I don't even think it's close at this point. William Nylander is worth his contract. William Nylander was the reason the team went up 3-1. Sure, he couldn't, you know, have one more magical game to close it out, but, but that's not on him. That's not even on any of the other depth players on the Maple Leafs. They played good enough to win. Their defense corps played good enough to win. And their uh, goaltender played good enough to win this series, no matter what. If they just, their two stars didn't show up, one of those stars, I, I, I don't know. But the other one, Mitch Marner, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It, you cannot have that much money tied up into a forward nope. who's not going to perform up to his contract. You, you can legitimately, you cannot tell me you'd be worse off with trading Mitch Marner for William Nylander and $6 million of cap space. Um, Especially if Kyle Dubas doesn't get fired, which is risky. But like Kyle Dubas with that kind of cap space, there's there's no telling what he could do at next year's deadline or even before the season starts. So I think you really need to look at moving moving Mitch Marner for for you know you need to get fair value back. But he's just fat on top of the stake right now, and he needs to be removed. I completely agree, and I I wholeheartedly agree about Kyle Dubas. He 100% deserves to stay. He can't play the games. He can put a roster together. That's all he can do. He did what a lot of people wanted. He he got the grit. He got the leadership. He got all of that stuff that all the people wanted. You know, the he's made his mistakes. Mitch Marner's contract, we said it in the moment, was a grave, grave mistake. They moved heaven and earth. They traded that Marlowe deal they gave a first rounder to get rid of Marlowe so that they could overpay Marner. Whereas what they should have said is, Hey Mitch, this is how much cap we have. This is how much you're getting because no other winger in the league makes this kind of money. And you are not about to be the first as a restricted free agent. Now, when that contract was first signed, I hated it. I absolutely hated that contract after last year, hated it. Now this year, I will admit because there needs to be some admission on yours, yours and my part. That we are fools because we fell for a trap once again. And we fell into the trap of thinking, hey, Mitch Marner might be one of the top five wingers in the league. Eh, wrong. He is not. We are lucky if he is a top 30 winger in the playoffs. Now, do I think potentially if he goes to a new team, maybe in Phoenix, maybe in Buffalo, maybe somewhere where they don't give a flying fig about hockey with no pressure, potentially he could succeed. Maybe he goes to Florida. I don't know. But he cannot crack. He cannot whether it's playoffs or whether it's the spotlight of the Leafs, he is not going to shake it here in the playoffs. And this needs, needs to be his last game of, as a Leaf if anybody is willing to give him remotely fair value in return. Yeah, I, I think the Leafs can find someone to give them fair value for Mitch Marner. Uh, there's there's going to be teams that just see the Leafs as a cursed franchise and go, we'll take a shot on Mitch Marner. If you're Kyle Dubas, I don't, I don't know what you do. Do you try and go out and, you know, get pieces that are going to win you next year? Or do you kind of retool a little bit with Mitch Marner, maybe move Morgan Riley out? Zach Hyman, you, at this point, you definitely do not sign Zach Hyman. I don't care because he's going to demand too high of a contract. And it's not worth to take that gamble if you're the Leafs at this point for anything more than a year or two. So 
there there's a lot of pieces where Cal Dubas has a lot of decisions to make, and I, I think he'll be desperate enough to really shake up the core. So it, it'll be interesting to see if he shakes up the core and just moves like for like, or if he maybe sets at least back a year, does a little bit of a, a one, two year, not really a rebuild, but a retool and then makes another run at it. But the Leafs are in this like kind of weird spot where this was the year next year is probably also the year, but we've seen what they did this year. So why would you have any faith as a Leaf fan? And then after that, John Tavares is aging. Jake Muzzin's aging. TJ Brody's aging. They're kind of, they're kind of in, in, in a middle zone right now where a rebuild is not really possible and you have too much talent for a rebuild. And staying, you know, perfectly as you are right now is just clearly not getting good enough. So I definitely don't envy Kyle Dubas this summer. I hope the Leafs keep him around. So I think he is a GM, but I mean, if he got fired, I won't be one bit surprised. So whoever is the one this summer that's going to make these decisions for the Leafs, yeah, they, uh, they got it in for themselves. And I mean... Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner to blame for putting them in that tough position, but that's what they get paid for, I guess. I will say if Kyle Dubas is not the GM of the Leafs this summer, that is the darkest timeline because if they, if they just, if MLSE decides to clean house and fire Shanahan, Dubas and, and co I'm scared of what the, like, what, what are we going to get? Like a Brian Burke type guy who's just going to say, yeah, let's, let's trade Mitch Marner for Matt Kachuk and then, you know, sign Eric Goodbranson and do some stupid ass stuff like that. They need, they need to keep Kyle Dubas because he is a rational guy. He's not going to hop into a trade just based purely on reaction because he just doesn't work that way. He's a very smart guy. And I think he built a really good team. It's just that, like you said, his two best players just let him down. Everything else that Kyle Dubas built coming into this playoffs looks pretty freaking good. Like the Leafs were defensively solid. The goalie he acquired did very well. The depth players he acquired were great. Jason Spezza was scoring. William Nylander looked good. All that happened, well, there are two things. One, Matthews and Marner, fraudulent. As fraudulent as fraudulent can be. The other thing, which it's a kind of a good segue, is Sheldon Keefe. I want him fired tomorrow for one reason. And one reason, well, a multitude of reasons. But the biggest reason is his handling of the power play. For months, you and I have been saying, William Nylander on his one-timer side with Austin Matthews. Try it. Please, Sheldon, try it. Try it. What does he do? He leaves Mitch Marner on that half wall all the time, and then he puts geriatric Joe in the middle on the power play, the guy who shouldn't even be good enough to play in an alumni game. And he tries this, and he tries this, and it doesn't work. He slams his head against that brick wall time and time again, and it doesn't work. And if there were multiple games, including game six, where if the Leafs get a power play goal, guess what? It's a different story. We are facing Winnipeg tonight and we are not losing to Montreal. Now, what did he do today? He waited until the seven minute mark of the third period down two nothing to Montreal to finally try Willie on that half wall. And guess what happened? They looked amazing. Did they score? No. They had countless chances though. And you could say, oh, well, that's because they were desperate, yada, yada, yada. We don't know because stubborn ass Sheldon Keefe didn't freaking try it. What was the biggest problem with Mike Babcock? He did not try things. He was married to the lines he had. He was married to playing Patrick Marlowe. That was the problem. And Sheldon Keefe, I don't care that he's the youngest coach in the league. I don't care how good he is at five on five. He showed me he is not up to the task with his handling of the power play because everybody and their grandmother, including Grandma Dubas, Marietta Dubas on Twitter, she probably said it too. Put Willie in the one-timer slot. It's not that hard, Lebda. So 
I'm torn on this, not torn about the power play. Everything you said about the power play, you're absolutely bang on. There's, there's no real argument for me coming from that. Um, the Leafs will not fire Brendan Shanahan. I don't think there's a chance at that. I don't think they're going to fire Kyle Dubas. If they did fire Kyle Dubas, I do have more faith in Brendan Shanahan and the higher ups that they are going to hire a smart GM and not go back to a, just an idiot hockey guy. Because the, like the Leafs were a successful team in the regular season. The formula is there for them. I think they can see that. Now, the issue I have with keeping Kyle Dubas aboard is not Kyle Dubas himself, but we know Sheldon Keefe is Kyle Dubas' guy. And I think that Kyle Dubas, being a smart guy that he is, might not have the overreaction that's necessary to completely clean house on the Leafs' Leafs coaching staff. He might look at those 5v5 numbers and go, okay, we're good. And I think that will be like a very, very big mistake this summer. Changes are coming no matter what. I just really hope that they can find someone that, that fixes the errors that happened this this postseason. And, and and let's be honest, like Sheldon Keefe's power play did not lose them that series. It didn't help them win it, but it did not lose them that series. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are the sole reasons the Leafs lost that series. And then when you got into game six, seven, that's where we saw the power play, you know, that they just refused to fix all year. That's where we saw that rear its ugly head. But again, if, if Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner show up, then this isn't uh, and th- this isn't a problem. So I, I don't know. I'm really, really torn with with what uh, what the Leafs are going to do. You know, kind of behind the scenes or front office wise. You can say that the power play wasn't what did it, but you said it in games in games five and six. There were opportunities in both games where if we had a functional power play, we could win that game. And who knows how many of the other games like would have been blowout blowouts or whatever. Maybe the guy, maybe that gives Matthews and Marner the confidence that, Hey, they see the puck go in the net. They're like, we can do this. It changes everything. I am not excusing Matthews and Marner in any, any, any way. I'm just saying that Sheldon Keefe's use of the power play is probably the second biggest reason that we lost this series but who's on that power play it's Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner should Joe Thornton be there no but at the same time it's it's Mitch Marner in that exact same spot and Austin Matthews in that exact same spot and exactly can't really do anything on the power play they they're yeah, in but the, like you need to look at these players spot. too should if, if if you change Joe Thornton out and put something else in, Mitch Marner is still not moving, and that is on Mitch Marner as well as the coaching staff. Then that's on the coaching staff. They have to say, they have to say, Mitch, I know you're going to fill your diaper, Mitchie, but guess what? You're moving down low. We're putting Willie into the into the one timer slot because unlike you, he can actually shoot it more than five miles an hour. That's all I'm saying. You you do make good points. I'm just saying that. Everybody in the world saw this for two months and he did nothing. And that inability, and you're not even disagreeing that they should fire him. You're wholeheartedly agreeing on that. We're just kind of getting into semantics about what costs us the series. But at the heart of it, we, we both agree that it is just an absolutely mystifying decision that he never even tried Willie there until it was far, far too late. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, Matt. Like that, that decision and that power play. To be that bad for that long, 
I don't think there's any coming back from that. I, I don't know how you as an organization can look at that. I mean, if their power play sucked and they tried all kinds of different things in the regular season to fix it, then it'd be one thing. If you stick with it in the playoffs, like, okay, like I understand maybe not wanting to shake things up completely. But at the same time, like I just can't fault the power play as much when they really didn't have that many opportunities and when, you know, their two stars didn't show up. Uh, like that series should have been one five e five and it wasn't. So that should is... Sheldon Keith a favorite power play? Absolutely. But at the same time, I, I think you know, saying that it costs us the series is just taking a step too far. That's fair. I I totally agree that the number one reason is because Matthews and Marners were were like I said, big frauds. I'm just saying in Game Six they had three power play opportunities to take a lead. They didn't do it. You get one of those, and 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 who was the guy out on each and every one of those power plays? Whether it was the first or second unit starting, it was Joe Thornton. Like that, that just an insistence on that is is inexcusable. But there's no we we we've said our point, so I guess I guess we shouldn't beat the dead horse. I think that if they do hire or if they do keep Sheldon Keith, you need to fire man Manny Malhotra as like buff. Like I hope I hope he leaves the building tonight without a job. And I think they need to hire a. Bruce Boudreaux was willing to come in the offseason. I think they need to hire Bruce Boudreaux. I personally, I, I would prefer that he would, would be the head coach, but hire him as an assistant coach, give him full reign over the power play. And if Keith tries to say anything about it, give Bruce full, full power to say, shut up, Sheldon. I'm running this. You cannot run a power play. Leave it to me. And just hearing Bruce Boudreaux talk on the radio, you see, even see that, uh, that clip of him from HBO where he's, he's calling out the Capitals when he was coach. He, he's like, you guys are acting like little mm. babies. You look like you look like somebody shot your puppy. Like 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 calling them out for their cowardly stuff. Maybe if maybe if Bruce Boudreaux were in that room, lambasting them for their pathetic efforts, they would have they wouldn't have had to wait until they were down two or three nothing in the last three games to actually put a little effort. in. Yeah, like obviously we don't know what Sheldon Keefe is saying in the room, but that was an unmotivated group for the last three games of that series does that fall on your star players? Yes. But at the same time, like a coach's job is to get your players to play. And if you can't get your star players out of their little bit of a funk, then the coach does share some responsibility for that. Now, is it all Sheldon Keefe's fault? And do I feel honestly really bad for Sheldon Keefe that those two idiots couldn't get out of their funk? Yeah, a little bit, but that is part of coaching. That's, you know, that's why you have coaches to put players in positions to succeed I think he did a good enough job with his 5v5 systems. Great and, job. And, you know, stuff to put to put Austin Matthews and the rest of the lineup to succeed. I think he could have tried to get Austin Matthews away from Philip Deneau a little bit more. They, they didn't really try a whole lot to do that. So maybe that's one thing. And then, yeah, the power play. Like, they weren't put in positions to succeed. Do the players need to be better on that power play, even if it's, you know, being set up to fail by the coaches? Yes. So I think there is just a lot of those things where, where Sheldon Keefe has just showed he was a rookie coach this year. The the fear to take Joe Thornton out of the lineup is another one. Um, like, Joe Thornton was not an NHL player this year. They should have, you know, sat him in the regular season more, and they should have kind of prepared the team for playing without Joe Thornton because you, you can't deny that Joe Thornton was not good enough to be in a Leaf sweater this year, and they, they kept him on there for his grit and his – or not his grit – for his leadership and all this blah, blah, blah bullshit that – I think Joe Thornton was a huge problem. You kept hearing all these sayings, Joe, Joe keeps things loose. We're loose. We're loose. We're loose. 
they were way too loose. I don't know why you couldn't come up for game five, six, and seven, but all this talk about we're loose, so we'll be ready, blah, 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 blah. And clearly there was no, you know, leadership that was driving these guys to be better. So I think there's a lot of areas where whether that's a coach, whether that's, you know, the veterans not doing what they were supposed to do. There, there's a lot of areas for kind of Kyle Dubas to dissect and really figure out why this team couldn't come up and play. And one final thing about that power play is I think we all collectively missed a huge warning signal with that power play that these guys have the mental fragility of a bowl of soup. Because when you have $40 million of talent on a power play, even even if my grandma was coaching it and she was putting you know, Morgan Riley in the shooter slot, they should be able to score once out of every 15, 20 times. But to see that power play suck for so long with all of the talent that is clearly on it, that should have told us a lot more about the mental fortitude of the, of the leaders of this team. Yeah, I think that power play was really showing, like kind of flashing red lights and warning us that, one, if things come down to it, Sheldon Keefe's not going to adapt quickly enough and which might need to happen in a series. And two, that these star players of the Leafs, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, are, you know, not willing to go out and grab things. I think that was that's the biggest thing that these two guys just haven't, uh, whether they haven't learned or they just will never have it. When, when you get into a playoff series, you know, you go up 3-1, you're feeling good, things are kind of coming to you. They, they didn't really, they performed in one game to get up to 3-1, but once Montreal took just that little bit of a step up and they were just a little bit more desperate, that's when we saw the the, the kind of lack of willingness to to rise to the occasion from those star players. Like these guys just don't have it in their heads where things ramp up one little bit and it's not just coming naturally to me. Oh, I need to grab this game by the horns and force my way into being a difference maker. And, and they did not do that once. So again, like I said, like these guys cost us a playoff series. These guys cost us our best chance at a Stanley cup in the foreseeable future. And I don't know if it's immaturity or if they just will never, ever have it, but they need to learn that they need to take this game by the horns and they need to force things to happen as opposed to just letting them naturally happen because of their talent. Yeah. I, and, and all year, I have been backing these guys until through game five. Even after they lost game five, I said, these guys are different. This team is built different. I believed in them to the bitter end because they'd show me before. And I have learned today that I will never, ever believe in these guys to win a series until the final buzzer goes in the clinching game. I don't give a a crap about one regular season game next year. I don't give a shit about any playoff games until it is a clinching game and they win. They could be up five, nothing with five minutes to go in the third period of game four, ready to sweep. And I wouldn't be sure certain that these guys could do it. So going into that game, game six was where every, like that is what broke me personally. So when, when the, like I said, after game five, I thought, you know what? The least played pretty well. They had bad, they had bad luck, but they're, they're a tougher team. They're a more, you know, they're a stronger team. They're going to fight through and they're going to come out like a house on fire. And I was absolutely mortified to see the way that they came out in those first 10 minutes. I'm not going to lie from that moment on, I genuinely had about 5% faith that they could win this series. In fact, after they lost that game, I went on and I saw that the Habs were heavy, heavy underdogs to win this series. So what did I do? 
I put 400 bucks on the Habs and guess what? I won 700 bucks. Am I a bit happy? No, I'm fume. I'm still like, it doesn't do barely anything to cure my anger. I'm just like, honestly, Lebda, could you not see it? The second game six started that, did you have any faith in these guys beyond those, after those 10 minutes? Um, I think we were all really, really duped into thinking this team was different. They, you know, all regular season, they kind of played a little bit different. They were better defensively. They didn't give up leads like they had done in the past. And so you're kind of seeing these signs. But I think if we look back, the signs were always kind of there. And then, yeah, like as soon as things got just a little bit tough, you just saw them just wilt like flowers in the sunlight, man. Like there's, there's nothing else to say than this team as soon as they face adversity from their top end stars, they're just so, so fragile. And yeah, we, we all should have saw it coming, but they have that talent. So whenever you have that much talent, then of course you're going to get your hopes up as a fan. Of course you're going to think all oh, this year's different, but you know, we all look a little bit stupid, but at the same time we don't look stupid because we should have had faith in these guys. These guys were the way better team. There's no reason Montreal should have even been able to hang out with us in this series. Does the John Tavares injury hurt a little bit? Does Jake Muzzin hurt us a little bit in tonight's game? Yeah, but not enough to swing the tides in the way they did. I think it was just one of those things where, you know, I, uh, for whatever reason, these two guys can't figure it out and it needs to be looked at. It needs to be addressed. And we, you know, th- they don't need any more lessons. The time for lessons is over for these guys. This, this is like, this happened last year. They should have learned their lesson from that. Time for lessons is over. They need change. And whether it's, you know, a change of coach that can do some different things, fuck Mitch Marner off to the third line or something for a little while, get it through his head that he's not, you know, the hottest things in sliced bread. Or whether one of them needs to be traded, you're not going to trade Austin Matthews. So that leaves Mitch Marner again. Like, time for lessons is over. It's time for change. I hope the Leafs brass don't panic and make a bunch of bad moves. But even if you trade Mitch Marner for a bag of pucks at this point, I mean, it's a terrible trade, but you're probably not any worse off because what are they going to do next playoffs when they have to face an actual good team? Like this was a, a complete catastrophic failure against a bad hockey team, a legitimately bad hockey team. If Montreal makes, you know, a wild card spot in the playoffs next year, I'd be shocked. And this Leafs team is, you know, going to have to, if they make the playoffs next year, they're going to have to face a really good team in the first round. So I don't know, man. Like I'm just such a, defeated Leafs fan at this point and I don't know where I'm gonna be next season like fan wise but this was just a really really inexcusable postseason from the Leafs yeah we'll have to evaluate (laughs) how we devote our time to this team and in next season it's it's just gonna be so hard to like I I don't know how many regular season games I can take of this team man like like none of it's all it's all kind of fake you know what I mean like if they come out and blow everyone out of the water in the regular season like we should have probably said that this year but again the improved defense we convinced ourselves a little bit but like anything that happens next year until a first round victory is just completely fake from this well I like it it made sense to believe in them this year just in the sense that they had never had a solid defensive structure before this year they actually had a solid defensive structure they had a a better D decor than they have ever had. And it was te- like, it wasn't even close compared to what they've had in previous playoffs. So it was understandable to believe in it. But 
what you said earlier is I think going to be the key to this offseason, and that's that Mitch Marner's contract has been front loaded. So I think Kyle Dubas is going to exhaust every option with teams that aren't up against the cap. Because if you're a team, I I don't know exactly what Mitch Marner's uh getting. I will look it up here. But if you're a team and you can get Mitch Marner for for something like I don't know, seven million or something a year, that's pretty good value if you're not gonna spend to the cap anyways. So I think the possibility is there for for Dubas to be able to do something. And we saw what Dubas was able to do with his cap space last year, signing TJ Brody and and the additions he can make. So I'm not like, I know that I will talk myself into this team next year by the playoffs, especially if Kyle Dubas is the one that has built it. I won't, I won't ever talk myself into them winning around, but I'll follow them because it's a sick twisted addiction. But this, this is going to be maybe the most interesting offseason in Toronto Maple Leafs history. Do you, do you know what's really funny and it'll never happen, but a team that should actually aggressively pursue Mitch Marner is the Montreal Canadiens. I don't like if you, you know, whatever, it's not going to happen, but a, a team like the Montreal Canadiens, who's lacking that kind of high end star talent, they could get Mitch Marner for 80 cents on the dollar. Like that would improve them so much. I don't really think they have the assets going back to make it worthwhile for them, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there should be too much problem getting rid of Mitch Marner. Like, it's not one of those scenarios where people are like, oh, we cannot take this contract because it's bad. It's just whether you can actually improve the team by trading Mitch Marner. That's the biggest question. I think you can. As long as you can get another top six winger plus a, whatever other assets you can, I think Kyle Dubas can turn that and retool that into being more valuable to the Leafs than Mitch Marner. I'm a little bit worried that they're going to kind of galaxy brain themselves and being like, Oh, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews are such good friends. We can't make Austin upset. And he's, his contracts up in a couple of years, blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean, I like, that's a real genuine concern. And I think they should think a little bit about that, but at the same time, look at what they just did in the playoffs. And if Austin Matthews throws a big hissy fit, cause his buddy Mitch Marner has gone, uh, you can just turn around and point and be like, Hey, you guys just lost to Montreal. That's on you. Uh, we had to do what we had to do because clearly you two are not, you know, mature enough to get it done. So that's what we had to do. We've, so I think there is, you know, answers to that scenario. We've seen what catering to babies does. We've seen what it does. Uh, like I saw Jonas Siegel earlier today said a bit like it's a lot easier for Sheldon Keefe to move William Nylander off the power play than it is to move Mitch Marner. And that is pathetic. That is embarrassing. I saw that and I thought these guys are going to win game seven with the mentality like that. Mitch Marner will probably call his dad, Paul, and Paul will say, Kyle, why isn't my son on the first power play? Like, you just can't be catering to that. Austin Matthews, um, if you want to cater to Austin Matthews by keeping his friend so that you hope he resigns in, in three years, guess what? If we don't win a playoff round, Austin Matthews is not resigning. So who gives a shit? You have him under contract for three years. He's, he's indebted. Like he has to play for you. He can't sit out. So trade little Mitch. You don't care about him. I'm looking at his contract right now. So Mitch Marner, he has been, he basically, gets a salary bonus of 9.6 million on July 1st. After that, he only has 750,000 for this year and then 8 million for the next three. So you're looking at about 25 million over four years. My math isn't always the greatest. I'm thinking that's about six and a half million a year. So if you're, if you're a team that's not against the cap, it's, it could be an, like an Anaheim. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that in our offseason podcast, but there, there should be a lot of maneuverability for Kyle Dubas this offseason if he's the one to do it. And I, like we said, I hope he is. 
You, you cannot cater to anyone's feelings. Lil Wayne said it, F your feelings. I don't care about that. I want to win and trading Mitch Marner right now seems like the best option. Man, do I wish we weren't in Buffalo's division because I'd say, hey, Buffalo, Mitch Marner, Nick Robertson in the first. Give us Jack. I, I'd still do that. I don't care about the division. Mitch Marner's not going to no, be No, no, I'm saying from Buffalo's perspective. A series for the Buffalo State. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just saying from Buffalo's perspective. Yeah, I guess they won't want There's no way they want to trade Jack Eichel to the Leafs, so that does make sense. I think uh, I think sending Mitch Marner out west makes a lot of sense. I think maybe a team like the LA Kings, I don't know how much they value Drew Doughty there. If their GM's smart enough to be like, Drew, you're not very good and we're not going to cater to you. But Drew Doughty made a big old stink and fuss about not shaking things up. Trading Mitch Marner to the Kings would you know, make him happy. So maybe the Kings are interested in a trade like that. They got a lot of really good young pieces over there that could come over. And maybe they don't have that impactful top six forward that the Leafs probably should look at. But I mean... You bring in as many assets as you can and you have that cap space. Who knows what Kyle Dubas can pull off? So there's lots of options. I think Morgan Riley's another guy to look at. He had a fantastic playoff series. I feel really bad for Morgan Riley. He really brought it all series. Is that going to continue? He was pretty bad in the regular season. I don't know. So there's lots of ways that they can shake up this core. And sure, they might not make players happy. But if you shake up the core this summer and Austin Matthews is pissed off about it, you can be like, well, we have X amount of years to – to, to mend that relationship, and if they win a first-round playoff series, how mad can Austin Matthews be that his little buddy Mitch Marner went? So, I think I think the Leafs I think the Leafs need that at this point. They they can't stay stay put, and they 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 need that big shakeup. Hopefully, you can get fair value, but I think at this point, cap space and a big shakeup is almost as valuable as Mitch Marner. If if Austin Matthews were a free agent after this year, then then you might think about keeping his little about his little buddy. But you got three years left to mm-hmm. and and. That's the thing too. You can't be worried about re-signing this guy. You have him now. Who knows? Maybe, maybe deep down he he signed short term because he wants to go to Arizona or he wants to go somewhere sunny. We saw we saw in these playoffs winning might not be the most important thing to him based on the effort he put forth. So, so just do what you have to do to help your team win. I don't care about feelings, and it's in the same ilk of. This team cared way too much about feelings, whether it was Mitch Marner's feelings, whether it was Joe Thornton's feelings, whether it was Frederick Anderson's feelings. They shouldn't, they should have gotten Zach Hyman in some, in some games at the end of the year rather than, rather than giving Fred a chance. They should have been like, I don't care about your feelings, Fred. We're going to let Riley Nash and, and Zach Hyman come in and we're not going to use our LTIR space to let you back in. So I think Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith as young coaches and GMs have learned some valuable lessons. We'll see if they get to apply them with the Leafs. But hopefully they take something from them. And hopefully, another thing, I hope Kyle Dubas maybe learns from this. Don't abandon, it seemed Kyle Dubas abandoned his philosophy a little bit at the trade deadline. I think the Kyle Dubas of two years ago does not bat an eye at paying a second rounder for Taylor Hall at the trade deadline. You have a former MVP in a down year with the most dog shit team in the league who by every metric was still doing good, and you said, no, I'm going to pay more, triple the price for a freaking 33-year-old with a bad back on a down season. He galaxy-brained the shit out of himself on that one. That is that is next-level galaxy-braining, and I don't think that is the true Kyle Dubas. I think I think deep down, if, if the Leafs had had success in playoffs past, he does not make that move. I think Kyle Dubas sold a soul a little bit this, um, this offseason, especially at the trade deadline. I think we are, we, we mentioned it earlier that the time for lessons is done with the players. The players can't learn any more lessons on the ice. They, they've, you know, kind of exhausted that option where you can take this series as a lesson learned for the players. 
I think um, that this was a really good lesson for Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. I really hope that it doesn't matter for Sheldon Keefe because, I, man, if we get Bruce Boudreaux next year, I'll be that much more interested in this team. Um, but this was a really good lesson for Sheldon Keefe. Look what he did. He brought in these veterans like Joe Thornton, Nick Foligno. I'll mention Jason Spezza, but I'm not really referring to him in, the, in this kind of thing. You can maybe say Riley Nash or whatever. Basically, he filled the, his bottom six with veterans that – bring leadership, bring intangibles to this group, hoping that they could get them past the hump. They didn't. And those veterans hurt the Leafs. If if that Leafs bottom six is filled with guys like, um, you know, maybe Alex Galchenik isn't the, the greatest Alex example, but, but guys like that, younger guys with, with, with lots of skill and speed who are, you know, desperate to try and either, you know, turn around their NHL career like Alex Galchenik or desperate to make a jump. Like having that skill and speed in the Leafs bottom six would have really helped them against Montreal. And instead, they they gave it to, you know, again, Wayne Simmons was good in this series, but Wayne Simmons, a slow player who, if he's not really on it and he's not playing 100%, like, he's just not ever going to make an impact. Joe Thornton, we said it a hundred times, like, he's not an NHL player at this point. Like, they sold that skill speed. We're going to beat you with that style of game mentality in favor of, you know, kind of veterans and leadership. And I think it affected the product on the ice. And we said it a couple times during the regular season, even at the beginning of the postseason, like, Having Joe Thornton in the lineup for his leadership is is worth it, even if he is a bit of a lesser player. And clearly we were very wrong in that because clearly Joe Thornton's leadership didn't do anything to this team. And he hurt the team on the ice. So I hope Kyle Dubas does learn a little bit of lesson, does what he's done in the past and gets, you know, guys like an Alex Galchenyuk or a couple of years ago when he got Tyler Ennis for one times one, like little deals like that where you have lots of skill and speed in your bottom six so that if your top guys are really struggling scoring, you have those options in the bottom six that can, you know, win a couple of games for you when, when, when it matters like this. I wholeheartedly agree. And another thing that he needs to do is, is stick to the money ball approach with regards to Zach Hyman and free agency this year. Zach Hyman is going to be a mistake for whoever signs him. Zach Hyman is 29. I don't care what I saw fans telling themselves. Well, Zach Hyman's different. He's gotten better every year. He works. Don't fool yourself. He has very similar stats to David. And he was bad this playoffs. He was bad this playoffs. He's been injured before. He's injured this year. Do not make that mistake. If Kyle Dubas is smart, which I believe he is, he should be looking to do what Mark Bergevin did with Tyler Toffoli. You wait it out. You see which skill guys. You said a Tyler Ennis too. You got him for one by one when he pro- when he was expecting a lot more. You wait a couple weeks into free agency and and you like Tyler Toffoli. If, if he were a free agent, like last year, he got less than what I believe Zach Hyman's going to get. Which guy is going to help your team more? I think Tyler Toffoli is probably going to help your team more. I, it, it's debatable because Zach Hyman did have a career year. But do not, do not, Kyle, saddle yourself to five to six years of paying a guy like Zach Hyman who is rough and tumble. You, you can love him all you want right now. He is, I promise you, he is not going to be a top six player when he's 33. And he's probably going to be making four to five million at that time. If you're looking at a Zach Hyman deal any more than two years is a complete failure for the Leafs, like no matter really the price, unless it's like two two million for eight years or some kind of crazy thing like that. Um, I'm really really curious because of how they played in the regular season. I think the playoffs maybe affect that just because of how stupid NHL GMs are. But how much more is Thomas Tatar and Philip Deneau going to cost you than Zach Hyman? 
uh, like in all honesty, is what Zach Hyman's about to get, and maybe moving in Alex Kerfoot. Like you can easily get Philip Deneau and Thomas Tatar. Thomas Tatar is a fantastic player. The fact that he was sitting for Montreal in these playoffs is hilarious. I think that's a guy you look at. Like I think that's a guy who you look at in free agency and go, we'll just wait a couple weeks and we'll we'll give him a contract. Philip Deneau is arguably the best shutdown center in the league. Maybe not the greatest offensively, but if you can get two guys like that for the same amount of money as Zach Hyman plus you know some change at the end, you're an idiot to like sign Zach Hyman. I, I love the guy in the regular season. He sucked in the playoffs like a lot of Leafs. So at this point, like maybe you know this playoff run helps the Leafs in the long run because they're not going to sign Zach Hyman to something stupid. But there's a lot of options to explore in free agency before I'm going to give Zach Hyman seven eight million a year. I don't in for however many years, like I, I think you got to be really, really smart this off season. Absolutely. And this series has probably taken Philip Dano out of the range where you're going to get him for a discount. Cause he can have his claim to fame of he shut down Austin Matthews, even though it was probably more Austin Matthews who shut down Austin Matthews. But Philip Dano is an excellent center and would be the perfect third line center for the Leafs. Um, but Tatar, he has been healthy scratched, which is inexplicable. If you look by every metric, this guy is amazing. And you said it, he is going to go for peanuts on the dollar. And if Kyle Dubas is able to seek out those kind of deals, that's how you end up with a team like Colorado that is just relentless and, and just comes at you in waves because they have, they get guys that are undervalued. They get a Devin Taves from Lou Lamorello for two second round picks because Lou Lamorello can't manage his cap. Kyle Dubas for, for the, the few mistakes he's made has been excellent at managing the caps. The Leaf has, the Leafs have very few untradeable contracts. So as, as dark as it does feel now, and, and it's a very dark time to be a Leaf fan. And like I said, I will not be really interested in them until the playoffs. There is, there is a lot of opportunity for this team still if, if they can make the right decisions this season. Yeah, like you said, this is a this is a very big off season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It, it, this series was really a, a kind of a franchise defining moment. We saw what the franchise is made of, or I guess the players playing for the franchise is made of. So Kyle Dubas has a lot of decisions to kind of transition. I know it really sucks to think about right now, and I'm I'm still really upset. This is my favorite hockey team. I've been following them since you know I was a I was a wee little one. You know, we dedicated quite a bit of time to the podcast but there is kind of lots of things going forward and lots to be maybe excited isn't the right word right now but to at least look forward to in the off season so with that being said I just want to kind of wrap up this podcast I know it was a bit of a longer one bit of a rantier one but if you guys have made it this far we uh, can't express how thankful we are for everyone who's kind of hopped on board with the podcast um, we really started a couple months ago towards the end of the leaf season and we started straight from zero zero followers on twitter zero listens on the podcast just um doing something that we wanted to wanted to do like usually after leaf game we just talk on the phone and we're like hey why don't we you know record it and, and see what happens so we started with the leafs goalie deep dive and worked our way through did a trade deadline podcast and slowly and surely we just realized that we were enjoying it more and it really is thanks to everyone who who listened and supported and you know now we're up over a thousand followers on twitter so a big thank you to that to that kind of community and those who interact with our tweets and and do all that stuff that, that really does mean a lot because that's really just added a lot of excitement to the series and and that's part of the reason why i think we're both so upset is to an extent that is going to end but also on our part like we're still committed to the podcast we're still committed to content we're still committed to our trauma beliefs we're still fans so there is going to be stuff going forward so if you guys you know do enjoy us you know just keep a little bit of a lookout 
see what we got going forward and, and, and seeing where, you know, where, where the Leafs go and we'll try and keep you as informed as best we can. But yeah, once again, I just want to say a huge, huge shout out to everyone who's listened, everyone who's supported it. It, it really does mean a lot to us. And guys, let's be serious. You've made it this far with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Are you, you're not, you're not going to abandon them when they have, maybe he's not the second best player in the world like we thought, but he's still pretty friggin' good. This team, it, it's bleak now, and I, I don't want to show my face or talk to a Habs fan until 2034. But at the same time, there, there could still be a future with this team. So, Lebda, you said it. We're not going to hop, we're still going to keep pumping out content. Um, we, you know, we want to do some off season analysis, some, what we think they should do, you know, break down the news, everything that happens. And I, I agree, man. I can't thank you guys enough for all the interactions I've had with all you guys on Twitter. Some of, you know, we got, we got my buddy, Slim Jim Baxter on Twitter, Joe Diamond. There's co there's just so many people on there. I, I couldn't even name them all that, that are just so fun to, to engage with. I'm, I'm sorry if I didn't mention you, but at the at buds all day cast on Twitter, I've had, I've had so much fun just interacting with you guys. Um, and I look for, I hope you guys all stick along for the ride too, because yeah, we we're in this, it's, it's painful, but, but it's going to make it that much sweeter if they ever do win. And, and honestly, I, I thought they would win again, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. But at least by the playoffs, I'm certainly going to be watching every second. So, again, thank you guys all. Uh, we hope to uh, continue talking to you guys and see you soon. Yeah, I guess uh, one final buds all day and uh, we'll wrap this one up. So, uh, again, thank you, everyone, and uh, buds all day. Buds all day.